first I tried to teach myself as I was progressing and as I was the CEO that it's going to come to an end, that when it does, someone else will have a different point of view, so don't get totally wedded that there's only one construct. So much of the strategic construct of a company, while on the surface it appears to be strategically based and financially oriented to deliver a return to shareholders, and it's what financial advisors would suggest, it's actually fundamentally comes from the intuitive side of the CEO. Coming up, Ariane talks with former AOL Time Warner CEO Jerry Levin, next on Change Nation from First30days.com. Gerald Levin's life, there have been extraordinary highs and intense lows, some beautiful changes and some of the hardest ones a human being will experience. From serving as CEO of Time Warner and being viewed as a visionary in the media world to hearing the news that his son had been murdered and presiding over what is considered one of the most controversial mergers in media history, Jerry has had to find a way to cope with extraordinary change. But among these highs and lows, Jerry has found peace and forged his own inner spirituality. He now runs Moonview Sanctuary, a safe haven to help people like Jerry who want to make peace with their own change demons and also recover from things like burnout, addiction, or any type of loss. Today on Change Nation, Jerry is here with me to share a little about his life and the lessons that he has learned about making change just a little bit easier. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you. Jerry, what is something that you would say to people who are facing a change over which they have absolutely no control? Well, I think the operative word is control, uh, because uh, particularly if you're a high-performance vehicle, uh, you're usually accustomed to seeing cause and effect from your input, and that I can control my destiny. Uh, I can uh, prevail over adverse circumstances. And I think the one of the biggest lessons that you can have is that things aren't totally in your control. And if you can come to terms with that and see maybe what lesson there is in that, you know, that's really important. What do you find is the change for you where you most got the lesson of letting go of control? It, it's difficult for me because I've had extraordinary changes, uh, radical changes in my life. Uh, I guess I would go to the pivotal emotional experience in my life when supposedly I had it all with respect to the normal indices of uh, success and happiness, uh, uh, whether it's financial or being at the top of a large corporation and having a big family. Uh, and then in an instant, uh, with one phone call, it's all gone. Uh, the call came from the police who were downstairs in my apartment and uh, a son who was uh, part of my being with the almost a surreal connection we we had the same birthday uh, which started it all and then his personality his interest 
were so aligned with mine and he was so invested in what we did at Time Warner. And then he did something that made him a hero in my eyes and he decided to be a teacher in a very tough part of New York City and so I could revel in, in his accomplishments. And then in one instant it was all gone. And there are all these cliches about being outside the natural order of things. And when you lose a child and you become a member of a club you never wanted to join. Yet I n certainly didn't understand what was happening, why it happened, what it meant. And being in the performance world, I took one breather and then came right back and just closed up at that point. And all of the cultural cues that came from uh, our society and business just fed that instead of saying, you know, you, you've just suffered probably the greatest harm that a parent certainly can have, just take time off. Forget about Time Warner and take care of yourself and take care of your family. But I didn't have anyone to guide me to understand that. It was uh, right back into the fray. So if you could be someone's guide today who's listening or seeing this, who's suffered a similar loss, what would you tell them now? Well, the, uh, the experience goes even beyond grieving and the inevitability of death somewhere in the family, including your own. It's to uh, step way back and understand wherever you are on that particular road or that path that it's going to change. It's going to, I wouldn't necessarily say come to an end, but it's going to transition into something else and to recognize that you know everything that you're experiencing is of the moment and it's going to have an end point taking you somewhere else uh, if you could just understand that even at the beginning of either your work or the beginning of your family the beginning of some thing that you feel is a lifelong undertaking it's it's just to enjoy the experience of the moment, you know, it's such a, a powerful statement now about the power of now, but really that is what we have, to really appreciate that sunrise and sunset. And one other thing, it sounds almost difficult to do, but if you go to bed at night and you have something unresolved, that you've left something unsaid, or that you've done something you regret, try and address it. Don't assume that there is tomorrow or don't shirk from that. Fortunately, I'm so pleased. I told my son every day how important he was and, what a, and that instead of, you know, the son looking up to the father, how the father felt the son was a hero. So that's, I guess, a piece of advice it's hard to do, but very important. And Jerry, after this incredible loss, life had a few more
changes in store for you. I know that you then got divorced and then you suffered from a loss of reputation with Time Warner. Like, how does a human being survive when all these changes are stacked up against you? Did you go to, to blame and anger and those kind of emotions? Uh, probably what I did was to sublimate extreme emotion and in an unhealthy way not express my emotions and my vulnerability. Those two changes or forces, starting with divorce, which, you know, of course, for a woman, it's the removal of identity, but it's the same thing for a man, particularly uh, when you've been married a long time and you have interconnected relationships. And to leave that, to walk away from it, is a very dramatic step with respect to your uh, self-identity, your understanding of yourself. And yet there are times when it is a course that is called for, but it's very hurtful and very hurtful to those around you. No matter what stage it comes, whether they're children, whether they're young, whether they're older, it's a disruptive act, regardless of the causes, the consequences are difficult. So that uh, was painful. Also, I think very significantly uh, in business to be enraptured by your legacy or uh, your public persona, the way you are written about. And, you know, we have a celebrity press and includes CEOs as well as those in the entertainment business. And having been in the public eye for many, many years, always knowing in the background that I was a trustee of the position, that it was not mine to hold forever. But you lose sight of that after a while. Uh, and you also, it's not that you're subject to papal infallibility, but at, at a point when things are going well, and, you know, we had a lot of success, the startup of HBO, and uh, we developed video on demand, and putting time and Warner together, bringing Turner's assets in. And then to see the Internet and to have a strategy to digitally transform Time Warner, I was totally committed to. And so a deal which, when announced, was considered the deal of the century. And then through a lot of uh, events, including the dot-com bust, the decline of advertising, and uh, the inability for people to get along, uh, there was a, a, basically a crash, a crash in the market, a, a crash in the value of this. So in, instead of being on the cover of magazines, which we were and interviewed, uh, it then became the poster child for the worst deal in history. And just as you're usually portrayed too positively when things are going well, it's the opposite occurs. And so to maintain internal strength that you did what you thought was best. It actually, uh, strategy seemed to make sense. I wasn't alone. Uh, there was general agreement that it was a transforming transaction. Um, but then circumstances uh, invaded the, the purity of the concept. And all of a sudden, 
whatever you had done for the last 30 or 40 years didn't matter. It's like you're only as good as your last movie. So, of course, that's hard to take. On the other hand, again, it's another life lesson that whatever you're handed, try and get underneath it. And most of all, have some understanding of who you are. Maybe that's the basic premise. Because if you think who you are is related to a particular relationship or a particular position or it's part of your resume uh, that you can deliver or, you know, when you meet someone and they, and they say, well, what do you do? And so for me, it was always I'm the CEO of Time Warner or I've helped start HBO or some identification like that as opposed to, you know, I'm... I'm a person uh, finding my way in the world. I want to have a positive impact. Uh, I want to help my family. I want to be of service. Uh, I want to be able to express my emotions. Uh, you know, if I could I identify not what do I do, but who am I? And if you stick to that through all of the avenues that life presents to you, maybe that enables you to deal with change. Because, in fact, change is the most exciting thing uh, that can occur. You know, I uh, was just thinking about, for a lot of reasons, uh, my uh, grandmother, who was the matriarch of our family, and she left uh, what was then Poland, part of Russia, left everything behind. What? courage to make an unbelievable change and then to settle in the United States and didn't really know the language uh, and started a business with her husband, which my father eventually ran. Uh, and I think about that kind of change, the uh, immigrants change. Uh, we recently visited Ellis Island and I saw the pictures of you know, everyone who came around the turn of the century. I mean, it's such remarkable people. And that's really... So when I think about that kind of change and that kind of uh, courage uh, and acceptance of change, and to do it with uh, spirit, spiritual understanding, and, and probably with a sense of humor, that there's probably something um, that you can laugh at in this change. Jerry, while you were going through these changes, was there a person, a constant, that helped you through it? Did you have a best friend, or did you figure a lot of this out alone? Did you have to take that journey by yourself? Well, that's the, I think, the error of my ways as I look back on it. Uh, I thought I had to do it myself. And that uh, confiding, um, of course I had friends, mostly male friends, but confi confiding in them or even uh, at home in the culture that was so overpowering for me, that was a sign of weakness. And it was only uh, really after meeting Lori and experiencing uh, the feminine, what I'll call the feminine sensibility and understanding that it's okay to be vulnerable. And that is, in fact, if you can express your emotions and if you can talk it through and get some help, that that's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength uh, and a desire to want to heal. 
so, uh, you know, the advice I would give now to anyone at any stage is, and it's not necessarily to get professional therapy, but to be able to articulate your emotions. Of course, men seem to have a greater difficulty with that uh, than women. So if you can find some some balance. I mean, I used, I now believe that if I had walked into a Time Warner board meeting and said, you know, I'm hurting today. I just need some love. I don't have all the answers. Uh, can someone just help me? There would have been a lot of stares, and somebody would have thought there's a problem here. Instead of that would have been a, a good thing. Uh, so I do think the ability to have someone either in your family, professionally, uh, that you can consult and be consoled is, is a good thing. What's a change that you still want to make in your life, one that you can initiate yourself? Uh, I think the uh, change I, I keep aspiring to is, is just to keep growing, that each day somehow I've done something that shows that emotionally I'm open, uh, that particularly I can hear what someone is saying, I can read their energy, I can put myself in their position without being defensive if they... So it's, it's basically, you know, if you look at the great spiritual figures from Jesus to uh, Gandhi, uh, just to be able to... Uh, to absorb someone else's hurt and to help them. Uh, that's the, the change. I, I'd like to be a really uh, a wonderful healer. I'm not there yet. Uh, and that, I guess that's the change I would like to, to see, that I could be there for everyone, anyone I meet, uh, and they would come away uh, feeling my the, the energy that I'm projecting is is just to want to help them. I mean, it's pretty simple, but hard to achieve. What, in the terms of your faith and spirituality, what what do you believe? I, I've had an interesting uh, journey because, uh, as a child, I grew up in a very uh, religious household, and when I was young, in fact. My mother sang in the choir, the synagogue, and one day, when I, even before I had my bar mitzvah, the rabbi didn't show, and I went up and conducted services, and all the ladies came running over and said, oh, you, you're going to be a rabbi, this is amazing, which is what my mother thought. And then, of course, I went through the rebellious stage and rebelled against the religion of, of my family, and in college... One of my majors, in addition to English and philosophy, was biblical literature and Christian philosophy. And I became uh, quite interested in uh, Christian uh, theory. And then I read this book called uh, L'Etranger by Albert Camus, and I became an ardent existentialist. And that's probably, uh, you know, that the universe was benignly indifferent, 
maybe that helped me because I think my own personality reflected that uh, so that I could withstand uh, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Um, and then after my son died, I, you know, it's like Job questioning why do, you know, the evil people prosper and, you know, why has God visited this upon me? And But eventually, uh, particularly after transitioning out of Time Warner, certainly after 9-11, which was a very emotional experience for me because I saw families hurting when the only thing that happened was somebody showed up for work and it opened up the wounds of my son. And and I, I guess I finally came to grips, very much helped by Lori, my wife, uh, that there's a spiritual reason for everything. And if you understand that, it's not that there isn't I mean, I don't even know what evil is anymore, but uh, that there's some lesson, there's something to be learned. Uh, I mean, even in the death of my son, uh, first of all, we established so many wonderful things in his honor, and there's so many places around this country uh, that are the result of that. And his image, his career has had tremendous impact uh, of course I want him back. Yet, when viewed that way, and he had a beautiful life. Uh, so, the, the spiritual core now that resides in me is that there is a God in each of us, that we all have the ability to connect uh, with the world, uh, with the universe, with whatever you believe is this higher power. And what's fascinating about it is that I did go to a Quaker school, which had the doctrine of the inner light. And, of course, that's essentially what this means. So it's, 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 I'm a, certainly Jewish in a cultural way, um, but spiritually that there's wisdom in all the great teachers of all the great religions. How hard has it been for you as a man to commit to more of a spiritual path and way of being and still want to be active in the world. A lot of people see it as being an either-or choice. Is it possible to be both? It's a very good question. Uh, first of all, you know, for uh, a man, particularly raised in the generation that, uh, of my upbringing, uh, to be totally open, totally vulnerable, uh, spiritual, intuitive, vegetarian, uh, is, and, and to cry. But probably the most difficult thing is to articulate my emotions first of all, to recognize the feelings, but then to describe them and be open about them, that's, that's been difficult. And then to not want to retreat from the world. I mean, to meditate and uh, go into some retreat community, but to turn around and say, 
maybe your experience, you can put your life experience at the service of others. And if you return to the world not in the way you had before, which was all externally performance-driven by a Wall Street culture, uh, but return in the world where you don't, you know, instead of having 90,000 employees, you know, we have 12 full-time employees at Moonview. And, and if you affect one or two people rather than changing the world, changing the technology of the world, which I was trying to do, that, that that's a good thing. And, and the operative word probably is balance, that if you can balance your masculine and feminine, if you can balance your interior world with being in the world, don't give up on society, but just approach it from a different point of view. When you look out and you see very busy, stressed out executives, male and female, what do you want to tell them with all the experience that you have? Oh, uh, it would give me great pleasure, and I have to a certain extent at Moonview, to reach out whether they're young and ambitious and starting out and starting a family or in mid-career and making a career change or at the end of a career uh, retiring. They're all fairly, the advice would be fairly similar, that take time to pause uh, to consider who you are, what your purpose is, why you are here, what, how that feeds into your destiny, and just take quiet time for yourself. We get so caught up in the activities of daily life that uh, to listen to that still, small voice that's inside the other thing, you know, we had had a workshop recently I thought was pretty interesting for executives at Moonview. And one of my colleagues came up with the assignment that people should write a mission statement for themselves. You know, we're so glued to creating a corporate mission statement. But write your own mission statement and infuse it with meaning and, and depth and spirituality and purpose and understanding. I think that would be a good piece of advice. Did you write your mission statement? I'm still working on it. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Uh, I know I'm, I have some healing mission, and, and my, my life story is, could be helpful to people if I don't get caught up in, in just the act of communicating that, if I, I have a real connection with people. Jerry, do you feel successful today? Uh, I feel extremely fortunate uh, to have been given the opportunities to to go on this uh, extended journey, and I don't view it as there were downs and there were ups, there were successes and there were failures. I view it all as uh, just a part of the tapestry of my life, and and I'm I'm so grateful for that, uh, and. It, it's left me, and th this is something I've aspired to, without regrets and without wanting to, I'll say it this way, tell my story in a legacy way, but only communicate my story one-on-one -on -one in a healing way. Do you consider yourself an optimist? Do you consider yourself someone who will look for the positive and believe there is a gift in everything? 
uh, th that's the way I would uh, characterize myself now. Uh, whether it's always been true, I don't know for sure. But I do know that I've inherited from my grandmother and my father, who were very optimistic people. Uh, I, I probably have the same the same spirit, uh, and I guess we could call that optimistic. Uh, it's what uh, certainly propels me, uh, and I think it's helpful to know how fortunate we are just uh, this uh, we're, we're given a gift we have it every day uh, and then to share it with others is a beautiful thing uh, and to just see the beauty around you it's, it's such a wonderful thing so to that extent I guess you would say I'm uh, an optimist I'd love to talk a little bit about Moonview sure you see hundreds if not thousands of people who come through those doors either going through some sort of change or with identity issues or addiction issues when you see those people can you tell what will really create profound change in that person as opposed to have it be just a temporary change experience what I've really found interesting is that we have such a range of uh, reasons why people come for help. Uh, that could be depression or anxiety and burnout. Could be addiction. It could be chronic pain or a life-altering diagnosis. Uh, it could be someone who's trying to be more resilient. But when you actually, after we do all the important things psychiatry and psychology uh, and neuroscience and a lot of the Eastern modalities uh, which are really important. There's almost a common theme that if uh, you can deal with the ex what's presented externally but then go inside and have some kind of spiritual revelation of what your core identity is, what your core purpose is, Am I here to be of service? If you can tease that out of someone through a, a very intensive process, that seems to be the gateway to some kind of healthy outlook to deal with life's changes. It's so interesting because everybody comes in with something totally different. And we have all these different practitioners who work as a team on an individual. But just getting that core understanding, that spiritual center, you know, there are all these words about it, and, but that's the human soul. That's what's inside. And if you get to understand that, it helps with addiction. It helps with everything. Forgiveness is also a big part of change. Forgiving someone that might have done something to you, forgiving God, forgiving external circumstances and also forgiving yourself have you completely forgiven everyone and everything and have you forgiven yourself it's such a critical question because it is one thing to forgive others and uh, to me that's the uh, the highest state really because it means that you're not defensive, you're not angry, 
you're not attributing something to someone else. Uh, and so that quality of mercy uh, is such a beautiful thing. Uh, I'm, I, I'm aspiring to be there. And then I think forgiving yourself is the critical element. Uh, that most people, particularly in where they're expected to perform and to create, get down on themselves uh, for something that they perceive to be a, a slip or a mistake or instead of uh, seeing the good in it, seeing the lesson. And yes, that quality of to forgive yourself, it's interesting, uh, you know, recently uh, people always ask, well, why not apologize for the hurt that you gave in putting together what some people think is the worst merger in history, all of which is quite an extreme statement. And yes, I I, I do apologize because it is it uh, for those who uh, experience financial pain. There are a lot of people who didn't, but it's also important to apologize to myself. And, and so these are qualities, these are divine qualities that, you know, most religions teach. And if we can just incorporate them into our daily lives, uh, you know, the quality of mercy is not strained. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. I know your belief around the power of the soul. What do you think in this lifetime that your soul came here to learn? Well, just as an aside, I, I believe corporations have a soul, too. I never mm. quite uh, figured out how to make that visible and real. But uh, uh, there's, I have some sense that my soul is an old soul, that it's been around before, and that uh, I don't fully understand what that was. Yet in this... Uh, incarnation I'm I'm here to heal and that in order to heal I had to experience what some people view as hurt uh, and also to have some awakening at various times to make that transition those changes to understand that I'm here to help to assist people and and, of course, I only have full knowledge of this current life, but it's been full of experiences that can really help people. I mean, it's so interesting that, I mean, I try not to have many interviews at this point, but I guess I could show up and somebody could ask me a question. I'd probably reach back and there's something happened to me that's probably relevant to the question. Mm. So that's what I think my soul came in to uh, be experiential and then to communicate that experience to others. Jerry, when you look at Time Warner, and you are so eloquent with your, your feelings and your emotions, what is the emotion that comes up for you today? Well, I've, uh, I've gone through several emotions. First, I tried to teach myself as I was uh, progressing and as I was the CEO that it's going to come to an end, that when it does, someone else will have a different point of view, so don't get totally wedded that there's only one construct. And, and uh, increasingly, I now believe that 
So much of the strategic construct of a company, while on the surface it appears to be strategically based and financially oriented to deliver uh, a return to shareholders, and it's what uh, financial advisors would suggest, it's actually fundamentally uh, comes from the intuitive side of the CEO. That there's something that it's rationalized in the form of uh, pluses and minuses and an articulation, but it's the kind of the intuitive understanding of what the CEO wants. So believing that, I'm very comfortable with all of the changes that have occurred. I love the publishing business. There is no publishing business at Time Warner. I love the cable business. It's about to be spun off. I actually like the music business. It, uh, it's not a part of Time Warner anymore. Uh, and and so, actually, there are a few other things I like, that, uh, like the Atlanta Braves. But it's not that I was attached to them, and that's the only construct for the company. And I think Dick Parsons did what he felt was important, and I respect that, and I think Jeff Bukas is doing the same thing. Uh, I also always had the belief that a CEO should step down and out and not hang around and not be uh, there to, you know, kind of tisk tisk about what's happening. Uh, so I, I, I could, you know, I could be wrong about this, but I do think intuition plays a big role in decision-making. When you look at the building or when you hear about Time Warner or you read about it, is there one word? Do you have a sense of peace? Do you have a sense of curiosity? Do you have a sense of distance? Yeah, I think early on uh, it was it was difficult because I wanted to speak out about uh, what was happening. But then I've transitioned into a point of respect because uh, the company has great history uh, and peace. Uh, I don't feel uh, the kind of emotions that maybe you would expect. It really is a sense of uh, uh, peace and, and gratitude that I had a wonderful experience. Uh, as I say, you know, maybe this I protest too much, but I don't think about legacy. I don't think about, well, what was the company like when I started at the time, incorporated before HBO and all these things, and what is it now? I just think about the remarkable people who've gone through, so many people who've been at Time, Time Warner, uh, who've uh, gone on to do other things. So it's, uh, that gives me a great sense of satisfaction. Mm. Uh, but I could, as I did just now, walk by the building, and uh, I, I'm pleased that Time Warner has its name there. But uh, I don't feel any uh, emotion about it that that's a negative emotion. Jerry, what is a day in the life of Jerry Levin today? Well... I heard you run every day. Yes, you shared I, that with me before. Well, I, we meditate first. My wife and I meditate every morning and every evening. 
Uh, I run. I then have an extremely nutritious meal. I'm organic, vegetarian. I have supplements. Uh, uh, if you would hear it, you would, uh, it would sound a little strange. I'm into hemp milk right now. And, uh, and then I'm off to Moonview. I do still, uh, even though we're a lot in L.A., I read the New York Times every day. I get the box office from Warner Brothers. Can't tear myself away from that. I try and... You're going to have to tell me what your favorite film is now. If I said Casablanca, it would kind of reveal both that I'm a Warner Brothers person and I'm old. And uh, a romantic. And, and a... Oh, an unbelievable romantic. I mean, for sheer artistry, I, I still like Citizen Kane. But Casablanca, I, I just think uh, it it's like you know, the line in Shakespeare in Love that somehow, out of this crazy film that was kind of put together, if you read the history of Casablanca, and you know, I did and saw all the artifacts, it was never meant to be the kind of... And somehow the chemistry came out to make one of the great love stories of all time in in that setting um, but I do spend my time at uh, at Moonview and I try and take some time during the day for uh, for reflection and try very much to have some time for family uh, we have a large family and so each day some connection whether it's in person by email or uh, by cell phone, uh, just to make a connection with uh, with my family. What is something you're really good at that would really surprise a lot of people? I uh, I happen to be a great runner, but not fast, uh, which you can never tell because I don't look that athletic. But actually, um, I'm a wordsmith, and I've never, um, and I will probably not write a book but uh, I always used to love to edit things and um, you know I could have could have been a great editor but that's not going to happen so Jerry the way we end off all our interviews here on Change Nation is to ask all our guests the exact same three questions so here they are the first one is what is the belief that you personally go to during times of change uh, the belief during times of change is is some kind of expectation that the change was meant to occur and that it's going to prove to be positive for me. Here's the second one. Fill in the sentence. The best thing about change is... Uh, the best thing about change is that provides a new horizon. It provides some excitement. It takes you out of your pattern. Here's the last one. What is the best change that you've ever made? Well, the best change I ever made was having the courage to understand after very few meetings that uh, Lori Perlman was going to be my avenue to salvation, to just get up, leave everything, and trust that we were meant to be together without, with very little to go on other than a kind of an intuitive appreciation that we were soulmates. Beautiful. Jerry, thank you for your time, your openness, your vulnerability, your honesty. For more information about Jerry Levin and also Moonview Sanctuary, 
please visit moonviewsanctuary.com. You've been listening to an interview with Jerry Levin on Change Nation. For more fascinating interviews, please be sure to check in with us online at www.first30days.com. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Change Nation from first30days.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes in the Society and Culture section under Philosophy. Remember to take time to leave us feedback about the show. We'd love to know what you think. Change Nation is a production of the first 30 days incorporated. Copyright 2008. All rights reserved.